you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 28. We'll be reading in chapter 28, ver- excuse me, First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. As you can see, the title of the message tonight is Commitment. Commitment. You know, we have to be committed as Christians. We have to be committed to Jesus Christ because if we're not committed to Jesus Christ as Christians, we're going to wind up being committed to something that's not of the Lord. Something's going to occupy our time. Something's going to occupy our interests. And so if we're not committed to Jesus Christ, we're going to wind up being committed to something that's not of God. I would never have told you uh, looking back over the last few years, I would never have told you that I'm probably going to preach a message out of First Chronicles. I would have never said, hey, I'm going to preach to you a message out of First Chronicles, because I really didn't think uh, that I ever would. And then when I started reading First Chronicles at the very beginning, I'm going to tell you, it was a little difficult. I mean, I was like name after name after name, and I can't pronounce any of the names. I was like, this is difficult. But, you know, I read through it and read through it and read through it. And since I've started First Chronicles, I've already finished Second Chronicles, and now I've gone back to First Kings, and I'm reading First Kings. But I'm telling you, those books are phenomenal, as well as all the other books in the Bible. Amen. But I got to the end of First Chronicles, and I begin to read in chapter 28, and and kind of bring you up to where we're at. David is about to die. King David is about to die, and we know that he had a son named Solomon, and here. David, in chapter 28, David is addressing all of Israel, all the princes, all the, all the chiefs, and all the people of Israel. He's addressing them, and he's kind of giving them this speech before he dies and hands the kingship over to Solomon. Right here, uh, David is really charging Solomon to the throne of Israel. So we know as we read the Bible, Solomon takes over. But here's the deal. David was leaving him something better than the temple in this passage, in this text that we're going to read. He was leaving him something that would last way longer than the temple would ever last. And if you could think about when we read this scripture here in just a second, think about a father talking to his son. And that's what we're going to read in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. If you'd stand with me as we reverence God's word. Verse 9, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy fathers. Serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Father, we just come to you today. God, we thank you for a great day that you've given us. What a beautiful day that you have allowed us to have here. God, what a great service this morning, great message. Father God, I ask that you be with us in this time as we meet together. God, I pray that your unction and the anointing is here. God, I pray that you would use me. And again, Lord, I pray that you would be the star and the hero of this story tonight. God, we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For your word says in Colossians 3.16, everything we do in word and deed, give glory to you by giving thanks to the Father. God, we love you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to give you four things this morning, or this evening, four points. And number one is commit to know God personally. Commit to know God personally. Listen, we must know God by experience. We must know Him intimately. 
That means a relationship. David had a relationship with God. Acts chapter 13 tells us David was a man after God's own heart. A man full of God's will. Or excuse me, a man that was willing to fulfill God's will. As you read about David, he came up and as a little boy who, who killed the bear and he killed the lion. And then he killed David and, uh, excuse me, he didn't kill David. He killed the giant Goliath. Samuel anointed him to be the king. You remember when he took the kingship from Saul and he gave it to David. And so God was with David at an early age. David loved the Lord. He had a relationship with God. And that's what we must have as a Christian. We must know God personally. And here's the deal. Too many people are walking around today, not only in the world, but also in the church, with just the intellectual head knowledge of who Christ and who God is. We see it everywhere we go. People want to say, yeah, I know God. Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, I know this person. Yeah, he was a great teacher. He was a great prophet. He was a great thing and all this stuff. But they haven't taken that intellectual head knowledge of who he is and took it down to their heart and began to believe in, true, uh, believe in who he truly is. Listen, in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is what it says. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou sent. What he's saying there that thou may know, what he's pretty much saying is that you would understand, that you would know him personally and intimately, that you would know who God the Father is and that you would know who Jesus Christ is intimately in a relationship that he so desires to have with his people. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, and it says that he died for all, and they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yeah, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying this. He's saying to know Christ personally is not to know him in the flesh. It is to know him as Lord and Savior of your life. If you think about who Paul was and what Paul did, Paul absolutely knew who Jesus Christ was in the flesh. Paul killed and persecuted Christians. Everybody who was related, or not related, everybody who was associated and followed and loved Jesus Christ, he went after them, he persecuted them, and killed them. So yes, he knew Christ in the flesh, but what he's saying here, he said, now I don't know Christ in the flesh no more. Now I know him as Lord and Savior of my life, King over all of my life. He said, I don't live for the world or anybody else. I live for the one who died for me. I want to have an intimate relationship with him. That's what Paul's saying here. Many know Jesus, but it's not until they know them as Lord and Savior of their life that they truly understand all that He is and all that He has done for them. Listen, we must be like David and know God's heart and know God's desires. Well, you say, well, how do we know God's heart and how do we know His desires? It's called the Word of God, the Bible. Listen, First of all, we have the Holy Spirit of God that comes into our life and that dwells inside of our life. And then we have this book called the Bible, the Holy Word of God. 
Listen, through the Holy Spirit, we are able to understand and read God's message to us through other people that he had write it. Amen? Listen, you can read this Bible right here and understand how God wants us to live, what God wants us to do, how he wants us to serve, how he wants us to worship. All the things that we need to know as a Christian, his hearts, his desires, his ways, can be found written right here in the Holy Word of God. That's how we know God's hearts and God's desires, right? David was a man who knew God's heart. He was seeking God's heart. He wanted to know all about who God was. That's the way we must be. We want to have a relationship. We want to have a, that intimate relationship that he desires to have with us. David was telling his son, the secret to my success was my relationship with God. David was a very successful king. David had a lot of things given to him. But David also had a great relationship with God. And God used David in a mighty way. Listen, if we would understand that God wants to use us just like he used David, just like he used Solomon, just like he used Paul and Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the other great names that we read in the Bible, God wants to use you and I the very same way. Listen, the same spirit that was with them is the same spirit that comes to live inside of us today, right? It's the same God that resurrected them, saved them, and used them. It's the same God that's doing the same thing today, amen? And he wants to use you in a world that is so dark, that is so cold, and that is so wicked to be a light to shine in darkness. He wants to use you go out and to tell people of what? Of Jesus Christ. He has given us the message of reconciliation. Listen, there's so many people in this world who have been separated from God because of the sin of the world. And the number one thing that we have as a Christian is that we have been reconciled to God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now that we have a message of reconciliation, as Paul says, now we can go forth with the ministry of the Lord and take that message out into the world and across the street and over the hill and to tell people about a man named Jesus. But first, but first, we must have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. We must know the person intimately that we're talking about. We must know the person intimately that we're reading about, that we want to share about. And you know what? Jesus desires the same thing. He wants to know you and be with you too. Amen. He longs for the The Bible says that he, uh, he is willing that none should perish, that all should come to repentance. Why in the world would uh, the Bible say that? Because he desires, Miss Kim. He longs for a relationship with his created. Listen, he, he desires to have his creation in his hands and in his arms and in his glory and in, his, in his, uh, the place called heaven that he has created. Our bodies long to go home with be with the Lord. And he has that place waiting on us. And there's so many people who are dying every single day all around us who are being twisted and warped and all these other doctrines and other things that are going on. And listen, he has given us the holy message of reconciliation written right here in the Bible. He's given us everything that we need to go out and share. We must do what he has called us to do. David loved God. He worshiped God. And David served God. David said, you must know the God of your father. I like how David said that to Solomon. As you can imagine, as, as David was talking to the Israel people, the Israelite people, and he was addressing them, and then he kind of just turns to his son and begins to speak to Solomon. And we read what he just wrote right here in chapter uh, 28, verse 9. But he said, you must know the God of your father. He didn't say you must know God or the gods, because if you understand the Old Testament, there was all kind of little G pagan false gods in the world. 
They had images. They had, they had molten images, graven images. They had false gods and false goddesses. They had idol worship. They had all this stuff going on. We read about it all through the Old Testament. That's why David said, you must know the God of your father. Parents, can you tell your children that you must know the Christ that's in your mother, that's in your father? And how about the old song that goes like this? Lord, I pray that they find the Jesus that's in me. Amen. I pray that they see the Jesus that's in me. Amen. Our, our kids ought to see Christ in us. If we want to pass anything down to our kids, I read a great post by him, uh, Brother Steve, today. If we want to give our kids anything, it ought to be the gospel message, the saving power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, all the stuff in the baseball and the football and the softball and the academics can only get them so far. Those lights will be cut off one day. School will end one day. But let me tell you something. There's a man named Jesus that if you give them, they receive him. He'll go with them forever and all the way into eternity. Long after you die, long after you leave, Jesus Christ is still with them. Amen. Amen. That is something that will last forever. Parents, grandparents, we ought to desire to give our children Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, you must know the God of your Father. Listen, what will be our key to success as a Christian? It will be our relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, commit to serve God passionately. Passionately. Listen, to serve God, we must first know who God is. Amen. But listen, when I looked up the, Bible, uh, the definition of passion in the uh, secular uh, dictionary, Number one, the definition means strong and barely controllable emotions. Let me ask you this, my friends. Let me ask you this, church. Is your desire and your passion for Jesus Christ, is it strong and barely controllable? Is it? Is your passion for Jesus Christ almost where it's about to explode in your body and you just can't get enough of Him and you want to come in here and you want to be with the saints of God? You want to sing to God, hear the Word of God, listen, be under the, the fellowship and the presence of God? Is it that passionate? Is it, is, is it barely controllable? Where you just can't contain yourself like Jeremiah, it's a fire, shut up in my bones, I just, I just can't be quiet, I can't be quiet. Is it? Is it? Just answer that to yourself. You know what the second definition? This is in a secular dictionary. The second definition it gave me, the suffering and death of Jesus. Many of y'all seen the passion of Christ. Let me just say this. If, if, that's, if that is not enough to make you passionate about who Jesus is and what he's done and what he endured, the Bible said that he endured the cross, despised the shame. For the joy that was set before him, now he's seated on the right hand of the Father on the throne. If that, my friend, is not enough to get you passionate and stirred up, then nothing else in this world will. Amen? That ought to crank your motor. That ought to fire you up. That ought to get you excited about serving God more passionately. Amen? David says here, and to serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. What is he, He's talking about a perfect heart and a willing mind. A perfect heart means complete. All of you. When you come to Christ and you begin to serve Him, He wants all of you. He wants your marriage. He wants your finances. He wants your cell phone. He wants everything about you. He wants your work life, your home life, your private life. He wants it all, amen. And what's happening is so many people are coming to Christ and they're only giving them a quarter or a portion or a half of Him. And God does not desire half of you or a quarter of you. 
What if God only gave him, gave us half of him or a quarter of him? We wouldn't have salvation. But he gave his only begotten son, his whole entire right arm, that we may have salvation and forgiveness for our sins. Amen. So many people are holding back on God. And God's ready to move in their life. God's ready to use them, but they are holding back. And it's only them keeping God from moving through them. Amen. Perfect heart. He wants all of you in a willing mind. Desiring and having pleasure in. Shouldn't have to make you. All of you are at church tonight because you wanted to come to church. No one, as a Christian especially, no one should have to make you come to church. No one have to, should have to make you open the Word of God and read it. No one should have to make you pray to God in heaven through Jesus Christ. No one should have to make you serve more than you already do or that you've already done. No one should have to do that. Listen, there should be something inside of you that has enough passion and desire that you want to go out and to do all you can for Jesus Christ. Amen? People shouldn't have to make you do anything for the Lord with a willing heart. David stumbled at this in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when the kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants uh, with him to Israel. And they destroyed all the children of um, Ammon and besieged Rabbath. And, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. David tarried still at Jerusalem. This was a time when the kings went forth to battle. They went out with their men. They went to go defend their country, fight for the Lord, to do all the things that God had placed him in that position to do. But the Bible said that he did not go. He was not willing. He was not serving enough to go out and fight with his men. And what did that do? That caused him a lot of trouble. The unwillingness caused David a lot of trouble in his life. We know how the story goes. He stayed there on his rooftop, amen. And listen, when he saw a lady named Bathsheba taking a bath, he sent for her. The Bible says that he knew her. He had adultery with her. He buried a child with her. And then he had her, uh, her uh, husband killed. All because of his unwillingness to go out and to do what God had called him to do and to serve with his men. Listen, when we are serving God willingly and faithfully, we often find ourselves in much less trouble. You say, oh, oh, let me explain. If you are serving God faithfully and willingly with all of your heart, there's still going to be trouble. We still live in a fallen world and a carnal body. We are. I know many great men and women of God who are dealing with things in their life. But here's the deal. If you're seeking God with all of your heart, you're serving Him passionately, you're going after God with everything inside of you, you're reading His Word and praying, those moments that the devil puts in front of you for adultery, for fornication, for drugs, for alcohol, for all the things that will destroy your life and destroy your marriage and destroy your testimony, you're going to be more susceptible to the Word of God and what God is speaking through you through the Bible and through His Holy Spirit than what the world is trying to get you to do through Satan. Amen? And so it will help you to stay out of trouble because you are seeking the face of God and not the ways of man. Amen? That does not exempt you from troubles and trials and temptation. Don't think these fiery trials just try you. They're strange. Great men of God, great women of God have died of cancer and other illnesses. I'm not trying to say that, but if you're looking for God and all that he has for you and you're searching him, I'm telling you, it will keep you out of trouble. 
Set our affections on things above and not things of the earth. Listen, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If you study the Old Testament, when they sacrificed that animal, they would slit his throat and the blood would pour out. They would take the blood and they would throw it on the mercy seat or they would sprinkle it on the horns of the altar, but they would take that animal and lay it on that fire. It would be a burnt sacrifice. There would be an offering up to the Lord. But the Bible says here that you are to be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, amen, a living sacrifice. What does that mean, Andrew? What are you trying to say? Well, the best and absolute way to serve God is to be a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Every day, all day, not just Sundays and not just Wednesdays and not just Sunday mornings. Every day, every moment, every hour, every breath, every second, whether you're at work, whether it's your ball game, whether it's your church, whether you're driving in a row, we are to be a living sacrifice for the Holy God. Everything that we do, in word and deed, we ought to do to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen. Giving thanks to the Father. Why? We are to be people who edify the body of Christ, unite and bring each other together through one man named Jesus Christ. Amen. We are to be a living sacrifice. Number two, holy. We're to be holy because I am holy. Jesus said, or the Bible says, be holy because I am holy. Listen, the word church is ecclesia. You've heard ek means out of. You just see the sign that says exit, out of. Kleo means called. You are called out of what? The world. You are called out of the world. You are set aside. You are sanctified. And you're to be different from the people in the world. Amen. You're not like to look like the world. You're, listen, you might be in the world, but you're not to look like the world. You're to look like church. You're to look like Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how we become a living sacrifice. That's how we live and serve God daily, by looking like Jesus Christ, the body that he has brought together and covered in his blood. Amen called out of remember that you're called out of the world remember that next time you think about having a beer at the bar next time you think about looking at something on the computer screen next time you think about fornicating or talking to that woman or talking to that man or shooting something in your arm or sniffing something up your nose remember that you have been bought by the blood of jesus christ you have been sanctified you have been justified and now that you've been set apart from the rest of the world hey y'all you're doing now is waiting to be glorified but until then you ought to tell people about the glory and about the name of jesus christ amen Remember who you belong to. Remember who's bought you and purchased you. Amen. Holy. And number three, acceptable. If you do these things, you will be acceptable in the sight and the eyes of Jesus Christ. I believe it with all of my heart. Because the Bible closes with this in 12, chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, for this is your reasonable service. How do you serve God? I just told you. Holy and acceptable before God. That's what we are called to do as Christians. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. Listen, the Lord is inquiring after your heart. He knows your intentions and He knows your desires. Think about that for a moment. God's interested in motivations. Why you say that, Andrew? Because we, what we may think is for God may in fact be to glory the flesh. Listen, I've seen people get up and they talk about Jesus, and they talk about God, and they talk about all this stuff, and they begin to share their testimony, and Jesus ain't nowhere in their testimony. 
They may convince themselves that they're trying to glorify the body of Christ or Jesus Christ, but it's really to glorify self. Listen, there may be people that do fundraisers and all their great events, and they put Jesus' name on it or the Christian name on it, and all their motives and attention is never to give any money to whoever. It is to take it all in yourself. Listen, God knows your intentions. God knows your motivations, and God knows your desires. Listen, before you walk in those double doors right there, God knows what you're thinking before you come in here. Well, I hope he only preaches an hour. Oh, I hope he ain't preaching on this today. Well, I hope we don't sing that song today. God knows that. We're not fooling nobody. And you come in there with that desire and that in your heart, all you're doing is bringing that in here with you. You got to leave all that junk outside and come in here and say, God, here I am. God, here I am. I'm all yours. Listen, I am available to do and to go and to say whatever you want me to do, God. Listen, God, I'm sorry for bringing my agendas to you and all these other things to you. God, you don't owe me nothing. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. When we get that attitude, and I'm preaching to myself too, friends. When we get that attitude, you want to talk about a good service, amen. I don't care who's preaching or what we're singing. That is a good service, amen. When we come in here like that, saying, you know what, forget the world. Forget all the ways of the world. I'm here with you, God. Let me enjoy this time. God, help us today. God, help us. To know God is to know His omniscience. It's to know that He's all-knowing. He knows everything. Listen, He knows the numbers of hair on your head. He knows the number of grains of sand in the ocean or on the ocean. Listen, He knows every single thing there is to know in this world and all about us. He knows it. And so, listen, we may think that we have Him fooled or we may think that we have the pastor or the church or our parents or the deacons or whoever fooled, but we're not fooling God. Do you not know that his eyes are like a flame of fire? The Bible says in Revelation that he sees straight through the heart with judgment and he knows what's in your heart. Every tension, every desire. He knows it. And so we got to get this mentality of when we think that God knows everything, it'll change the way that you think and the way that you do things. So instead of thinking of ways to get out of serving, we must be thinking of ways that we can serve more. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Everything that you think about that runs through our brain, we ought to bring it into a thought and the obedience or the captivity to the obedience of Christ. And if it's not of God, the Bible says cast it down. And I think about it like shooting it down like an airplane. Just shoot it down. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. Don't need that junk. Don't need that garbage. Number three. Commit to seek God persistently. David said this. David said this. If you seek him, he will be found. Well, first of all, let's just clarify. He's not lost. He's always there. He's always there. He's just reiterating that if you seek him, he'll be found. He's there. Don't get the idea that God's lost. But Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be open unto you. The word seek here literally means seek. It's continuous. It's the imperfect tense. It means seek and seek and seek. Seek them in the morning when you get up, while you're driving to work and while you're at work and on the way home and while you're at ball practice and, and before you go to bed and all these other things. Seek after him constantly. We must be constantly seeking the face of Jesus. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. 
We must seek Him consistently. Christian, this is an everyday occurrence. I want to ask you this question. You don't have to answer it out loud or raise your hand or anything. Do you seek God every day? Do you seek God every day? And if you do, do you seek Him multiple times during the day? Because if you're not, you're not doing what God's called you to do. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, what you're called by my... I, he says, my people. I like how he says, my people. What you're called by whose name? My name. Shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, let's stop. I can't help but preach on this. It says, then. But he gave a list before then. He says, shall humble themselves, shall pray, shall seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then. You've got to do all those things. And the Bible says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What is this? The Lord was talking to Solomon. He's talking about Israel repenting. Listen, Solomon had been praying. Fire from heaven came down and filled the house. And the Lord was talking to Solomon. And this is what he said at the end of chapter 7 of 2 Chronicles. And I'm going to put it in, in kind of a, uh, just in, in my words. The Lord says, Solomon, if you serve me and do as I have commanded you, you will be prosperous. But Solomon, if you forsake me, I will make you a proverb and a byword to all the nations. Other words, I will remove my name and I will make an object of ridicule among others. If you forsake me, Solomon, here I am. I want to dwell in it. Listen, the glory of God just came down and filled the temple that Solomon built. Amen. And listen, the glory of God was in the temple and the Lord was talking to Solomon. Solomon's talking to the Lord. He said, if you serve me, Solomon, if you walk in the ways of David, Solomon, I will be with you. You'll be prosperous in all these things. If you keep my commandments and my statutes and my precepts, I will honor you. But if you forsake me, if you forsake me, I will cast you off. I will take my name out of this temple, and this place will become a house of ridicule for all the people that pass by. He said, if you will turn from your wicked ways, if you will seek my face, and you will pray, and you shall humble yourselves. Though he was talking to Israel, that applies to us today. Many of us need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to humble ourselves. We need to get on our face and seek the face of God. And then, and then he will hear our prayers. Listen, the Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. Not that he cannot. He will not hear you. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe there's something in your life that needs to be removed. And God is ready to work in your life. Amen. To seek and to look and to find Christ in our lives and meditation means we have to take our eyes off of things around us. Many can't seem to find Him simply because they're not seeking for Him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he, is a, for he that comes to God must believe that He is. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He just didn't say seek Him. He said diligently seek Him. You know what that word means? Steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Let me ask you this question. The way that you seek God, the way that you seek the face of God, the effort that you put forth to God, is it steady, is it earnest, and is it energetic? Is it? You've got an answer to that. 
Because the Bible says he is a rewarder to those who what? Diligently seek him. Man, with all of your fiber, with all of your being, with all of your person that God has created you to be, he has called you to seek him and to go after him with everything that is inside of you. No matter what people say on Facebook, no matter what people say at home, no matter what people say at work, no matter what people say on the ball field or anywhere else, or no matter what people say in the church, amen, you ought to go after him with everything that's inside of you. That ought to get it. Yeah, come on. Amen. A warder, rewarder for those who diligently seek him. Listen, but, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Listen, this Old Testament, David is telling Solomon, if you turn him away, he will not pour out his blessings upon you and his people. Listen, the Bible is clear. The Lord will not forsake us. The Lord will not leave us. Deuteronomy chapter 31, 6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it is he that goeth with thee, and he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Listen, if you want to know something, I pray that over my wife and two boys every single day. Every morning, Deuteronomy 31.6, over both of them. By name, word for word, I pray that over their life. The more I grow in Christ, the more I grow in the Lord, the more I grow in the Word of God, the more I begin to pray Scripture. The more I begin to pray Scripture. If it were for them in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and if God honored them, God will honor us if we use those words. Amen. Because we all know that they're inspired God, listen, to cast off here means to reject. Have you, listen, when you have a child and you begin to break out the, the new foods, and you got that little baby and they're beginning to go from the milk and the cereal to, to, to the, the food, the baby food, whatever you want to call it. You get it out and you don't know what they like, you don't know what they're allergic to, so you're just going to give them a little bit and you open it up and you get the sweet potatoes and the bananas and it's good. Then you get the peas and the carrots and you stick it in there. They don't like it. What do they do? They reject it. They spit it out, right? Well, Revelation chapter 3, verse 16 gives us a perfect example. He says, so then thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth. God's saying, I'd rather you be on fire for me or way over here and against me than be the one who sits in church, calls yourself a Christian, but listen, confesses me with your lips, confess me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. Listen, you have a form of godliness, but deny the power of God. That makes God sick. It makes him want to spit you out. People who come in here in the house of God and claim to be a Christian and their hearts and their desires have no desire to seek after God and to serve God and to know God. That makes God sick. You're right. I ain't making this up. I'm just reading the Bible. God will spew you out. That literally means he will vomit. Think about that. He can't stand lukewarmness. To all of us New Testament believers, listen, this does not mean you will lose your salvation. Once you are saved, you are sealed to the day of redemption. You're in His hands. He's in the Father's hands. No man can pluck you out. I'm not saying that you'll lose your salvation. just want to clarify that, amen. Don't go out saying, Andrew, uh, you got to get re- No, I'm not saying that, okay? Adrian Rogers once said this, The most miserable man on earth is not the lost, but the Christian who is walking out of the fellowship of God. And I want to give you an example in Judges chapter 10, verse 7 through 14, of what this looks like. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And they sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children 
of Israel, 18 years, all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is called Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim. So that Israel was sore distressed. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Listen to these words. The children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have what? Forsaking our God and also served Balaam. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines, the Zidonians, the Amalekites, and the Mayanites did oppress you? And you cried unto me, and what? I delivered you out of their hand. Verse 13, And ye have forsaken me and served other gods, wherefore I will deliver you no more. Listen to verse 14. Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you from your time of tribulation. You don't know what casting off means? You don't know what it looks like to forsake God? That's what it looks like right there. You turn to other gods? You want to forsake me? You don't want to serve me, seek me, know me? That's fine, but I'm going to cast you off. He didn't turn his back. He didn't forsake them. He didn't leave them. He just rejected them. If we're not seeking him and we're not serving him persistently, persistently every day of our life, then we will be out of the will of God. In other words, we will be forsaking God. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. That it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. It is sin, my friends. Listen, we know that in the Bible, the Bible is clear, nothing can separate us from the love of God. No depth, no height, no mountain, no principalities, no dark, no light. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when we come into that holy covenant and that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, nothing can separate that, amen? But here's the deal. Sin will separate the fellowship that you have with an almighty God and a holy God. It separates us from the fellowship of the Lord. It separates us from the blessing of the Lord. And sometimes it will separate us from the protection of the Lord. Sin. Sin erects a barrier between man and between God. What separated man and God in the very beginning? We talked about it in Sunday school. If you wasn't there, you missed out. It's sin. And ever since then... God has had a plan of reconciliation before the foundation of the world. His name is Jesus Christ. He happens to be my Lord, my King, and my Savior. He came on the scene, and guess what? He grabbed God's hand, he grabs man's hand, and he brought them back together again in a holy covenant that we can walk with him and have fellowship with him the rest of the days of our life. His name is Jesus. But every time sin comes... And between you and God, it busts up that fellowship. It resurrects, uh, wrecks a wall, and it separates you from you and God. The Bible says he, he has turned his, fa- turned his face from you. Listen, he cannot hear you. Why? Because of the sin that's in you. 
Do we not understand the more I read the Bible, the more that I hate the sin that's in the world and I hate the sin that's in my own life because I have realized, you know who separates me from God? It is me, amen? It is me doing things of the world and doing things of the flesh. I'm at blame here. And sometimes I've gave the devil too much credit. Sometimes I had to look up to God and say, you know what? I'm sorry, God. I'm the one who did that. I'm the one who clicked the button. I'm the one who made the phone call. I'm the one who did that terrible act. I'm the one that said that. God, I am sorry. Anybody with me tonight? It's sin, church. Sin is what separates man from a holy God. By living our way instead of God's way, we impair our fellowship with Him, but not our relationship. But in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, listen, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Listen, but after I read the wages of sin, I never see any exceptions. The wages of sin is death except for Andrew, except for Brian, except for Brent. No, that's not in there because if you read the holy word of God, the Bible says this. God is no respecter of persons. There's not no, there's not one righteousness. No, not one. Our work is as filthy rags. Listen, there's nobody more saved than the other. I'm just going to tell you right now. The Holy Spirit that Adrian Rogers had and Billy Graham had and Billy Sunday and all the rest of those guys is the same Holy Spirit that you have today. That didn't cost nothing. That's free. Listen, but listen, we've got to understand, but the wages of sin is death. So God never, I've never read it in the Bible, he looks down upon man and says, you know what, Brent, he's a good old boy, I'm just going to let him go because his intentions, because if you do that, and if you think that God is some teddy bear sitting on a throne somewhere, and you think that way, then you need to go back into the scripture, and you need to go back and take holy, and you need to take righteous, and you need to take just out of the Bible, because it's God who looks upon somebody and just lets them go without the shedding of blood is not a holy, righteous, just God. The Bible says clearly in the Old Testament, or when they, when they brought the life is in the blood. So when they brought the animals and they drained the blood, it was the shedding of the blood that made remissions and it made propitiation and it made the covering and it made the atonement for our sins. Amen. When Jesus came, the great and spotless, perfect Lamb, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. When He came, His blood was shed on Calvary that we may have remission for our sins. Listen, there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains. Church, I said they lose all their guilty stains. Listen, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. There may I, though vile as he, wash all my sin away. I said wash all my sin away. Listen, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a mediator. With God the Father. And so when God and man was separating, we had someone there in the middle. We have an advocate who's a lawyer. And so the Bible says we must confess. That means you must speak. You must tell. You must say your sins unto Jesus Christ. And when you confess your sin, he takes your sins into the holy court, in the holy council before God Almighty and his throne. And he presents them to God the Father. And God looks at Jesus and sees his blood over your life and his blood over your sin. He said, that 
will do. And he takes it, my friend, and he throws it as far as to the east as to the west to be never remembered again. Somebody needs to get excited tonight. We have an advocate with the Father. We have a mediator. We have a blood that will cleanse us and save us from all unrighteousness. Amen? We have a holy, righteous God. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, for the wages of sin is death. But let me tell you something. That man named Jesus Christ, he took our death. He took our debt. He took our penalty. And he paid our cost. Because when I was too wretched and too vile, and every other mankind that's ever been created was too wretched and too vile, here comes the perfect man. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll die your death. I'll hang in your place. I'll take God's wrath because God will never look upon sin and forgive it without death. So let me tell you this, my friends. It can be your death and you receive the wrath of God or you can choose tonight to give it to Jesus Christ and confess Him as Lord and King of your life and the wrath of God falls on Him and you get to step into eternal life and your sins be forever forgiven. you got to make that decision. Why would God cast us off? Why would God, a holy, loving, righteous God, cast us off? Well, do you discipline your children when they do wrong? Or do you let them just keep doing what they're doing? Do you love them? Absolutely. So you discipline them. Listen, he casts us off so that we can feel the conviction and the remorse to open our eyes to the fact that we are out of fellowship with God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth. Woo, that's good. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receives. Man, I'm telling you right now, if you've got conviction in your life, God's tightening that belt on you. I'm telling you right now, you ought to thank God and praise Him tonight because that means He loves you. He's a righteous and holy God. He's worthy to be praised tonight. Amen, church. And I want to give Him all the praise and all the honor. You can go ahead, Brandon, come up here or whoever's singing tonight. To know God is to serve Him. And to serve Him is to seek Him. Church, we need commitment in the church today. Psalms 37, verse 5, Commit thy ways unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. That word commit means roll on to. Roll your burdens, roll your cares, roll your life, roll everything on to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Listen, another scripture that I love that's not on there, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy ways. Lean not in thy own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him and what he shall direct thy paths. Telling you, man, if we just commit to him and serve him, to know him. Listen, we don't need to commit to the pastor or the leaders of the church. We need to commit to Jesus Christ. And when you commit to Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, everything else falls into its place. If we are sold out for Christ, no one, no one, I say no one will have to beg us to read our Bible and come to church. Listen, North Highland, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this, and then we'll close. Tonight, I want to challenge you to commit to read the Bible more. Read the Bible more than you already do. Every single day, multiple times a day, I want you to commit to read your Bible more. Listen, I want to challenge you, North Highland Baptists, commit to pray more. 
Pray in the morning. Pray in the evening. Pray at night. Pray during the day. Seek God. Pray to Him more. North Highland, I want to challenge you tonight to commit to serve more. Serve more than you already do. Find somewhere to plug in and to serve and to be used in the ministry of the Lord because God desires and wants to use you. North Highland, listen, I want to challenge you to commit to come to church. Come to church faithfully, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Sunday evenings or Wednesdays. Every time the doors are open, men, I want you to commit to come to the Brotherhood Fellowship. If you haven't been coming, you've been missing a blessing. Amen. Come and join the biscuits and the gravy and the pancakes, but get a, hear a word from God. Hear a blessing from a man of God. Come and join and fellowship. Ladies, commit to being with the ladies' share group and fellowshipping with them and serving with them. Listen, church members, commit to come when the, we have festivities and activities and events. Come in here. Listen, commit to do more for God. And lastly, I want to challenge you this. Commit to seek the face of Jesus more. Commit to seek the face of Jesus more than you do anything else. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 10. It says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for a sanctuary. Be strong and do it. You know what he said? You know what he said? David, you know what David said? I promise I'm about done, brother. You know what David said to Solomon? He said, he said, you must know the God of your father. You must serve him. Listen, you must seek him. And after he got done doing all that, he said, do it. I want to challenge you tonight. If you haven't been reading your Bible, praying, or seeking God, or studying, or whatever it may be in your life, do it. I want to challenge you, if you've got sin in your life, something that's hindering God from moving in your life, something that's separated a fellowship in your life, then come up here and do it. Talk to God. Ask Him to take the sin and the filth and the dirt out of your life. Do it. Who cares what people say? Who cares who's here and who's not here? Who cares who's watching online? Do it. It's your life. It's not their life. It's time that we get serious about serving God. I can't do it for you. Brother Steve can't do it for you. Brother Brian can't do it for you. We can't. It's time that you get serious. Seek Him, serve Him, and know Him. And that's the last thing. If you don't know God personally, I want to invite you here in about two minutes to come to this altar and let me pray with you. Because the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe with your heart, Confess with your mouth. You shall be saved. If that's you, I want to tell you tonight, today can be your day of salvation. Today can be the day that you receive eternal life, the greatest gift ever known, ever given to mankind. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, There's none other. There's no other name among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's you. If that's you, please come. Please come during this invitation time. I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. Listen, if you've got sin in your life, if you've got something in your life that's keeping you from God, that's fellowship, come. I want to pray with you. What I desire more than anything, anything, is for every one of you in here 
every one of you that belong to this church and every one of you across this community and across the world to have a, a passionate, wholehearted relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. God, we come to you tonight.